0: I'm going What? Amen. Amen. What a great song. What a great reminder that we are going home one day. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, this world is not your home. God has created a better place. I think we all sense that, don't we? There has to be a better place. Amen. There, there's a few decent things here, but they're just taste. They're just mercy drops. But we're praying for the showers. Amen. Amen. I think about that song, I can only imagine. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think probably I'm going to be on my face because He deserves... I mean, I'm just going to be on my face. But then I think pretty quickly He's going to say, Son, it's okay. Stand up. I love you. Welcome home. Amen. And then Pastor Robbie's going to get a little excited. I'm not very excitable, but but I might get excited. Amen. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3 verse 2, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. God says, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on this earth. That means that we should think more about heaven. Heaven should be more of our focus. It's where we're going to spend forever one day. If you put your trust in Christ, it is your heavenly home. And with it being so great, when we have these tough days, these difficult things that we inevitably are facing or are going to face, it encourages us to know that we're going somewhere else. This world, this existence right now does not define Robbie Langford. Amen? I am going to live in a better place, in a better situation, with better circumstances. And by the way, I'm going to be there a whole lot longer than I was here. Amen? And thinking about heaven more helps us to be more focused on the mission that God's given us. As I've been thinking about heaven, I'm more excited to share Christ with people. I'm more excited to hand out one of those invite cards to to ask somebody to come to church or, or what they're doing for Easter because I'm thinking about heaven and I want everybody to go there. But all of that that I just said, that setting your mind on things above, not things on the earth, is easier said than done. Amen? Life is so hard. Life is so challenging and it's so constant. It's like a storm, isn't it? You ever been in a hurricane? You ever been in a tornado? You ever been in a torrential downpour with lightning and wind blowing? It just keeps beating against the house. And so many times that's where our lives feel. That's why one of the reasons we need a church family. That's why we come together today to to meet together and to serve together in this large gathering. That's why on a weekly basis we meet together. We serve together in smaller groups of people so that we can learn God's truth. Or we can be reminded of the things that we've learned before. Amen i don't think'm I think I'm the only person in this room. I need an Amen. Enough. All right So for the last little bit, we've been talking about this topic we've been talking about heaven we've been talking about home and last week we talked about really kind of part one of of really what we're focusing on last week and this week in this series we've talked about several different aspects of heaven but last week we kind of started what are we going to be doing in heaven that's a good question isn't it and so this week we're going to kind of continue that thought as we follow up with last week you know last week we thought you know what what we're gonna do in heaven? we're gonna live we're gonna really live we're gonna live like we've Never lived before. We talked about last week, we're going to worship God. We're going to have worship services like this in heaven, but it's not just going to be worship services. We're really going to enjoy God forever. We're just going to praise Him and we're going to enjoy Him and all that He's created for us, the relationships, all the beauties and all the wonders of heaven. And then we're going to receive and enjoy the rewards that He's given to us. That's what we talked about last time. But this week, we want to continue that thought. What is it that we're going to be doing in heaven? Some more aspects of that. As we said last time, many people have a wrong idea of heaven, that we're just going to be a bunch of angels sitting on clouds. In other words, boring. Amen. (laughs) But that's not all what our life is going to be like in heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches And one of the best things that we find out about heaven when we study God's Word is that we finally, in heaven, are going to understand. All the things that didn't make sense in this world, one of the things we're going to do is we will understand. How many times in our lives do we make a statement something like this? I just don't get it. This doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand even why God. And the Bible affirms that. God knows that. That we struggle understanding in this life. We are limited in our understanding. But one day in heaven, we will understand. Isn't that good news? Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 9 through 12 talks about this. The Apostle Paul, led by the Lord, wrote this. He says, For we know now, we know in part, and we prophesy. We prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with the childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then... Face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known by God. Now, what Paul is doing here in these verses is making exactly the point that we are trying to understand better today. In this world in which we live right now, we do not have full understanding. And so he gives a couple of analogies of that. He talks about the difference in a child who is developing and mature adults. Now, young people, this is not to say that adults see everything. This is not to say that adults aren't still developing and learning and growing. But what he's saying is it's making the point that right now believers are more like children who are developing our ideas and understanding and then one day we're going to grow up In heaven, and we're going to see and we're going to understand things much more clearly. He gives another analogy. He talks about the difference between looking in a mirror and actually seeing something that is the real thing. And what's interesting about this is the Apostle Paul, as he was writing, he was writing to some people in a city called Corinth. And in the city of Corinth, they were very well known for their beautiful bronze metal mirrors, okay? Now, their mirrors were not mirrors like we see today because if I understand correctly, those were developed much more recently, maybe like during the 1800s or, or sometime around that period. But, but they had these polished bronze metal items that they could look at. And so this is kind of, you know, it's basically what your cookie's going to be on after the service, but, but not on this one, Okay. <laughs> And so somebody's going to be like, oh, cool, I can see my face, right? After all the cookies are gone. And so, so Paul, Paul Paul, used that image that they were very familiar with. They know that they had, and everybody had seen these down at the market. And everybody used these, hey, we look at this. And and I can kind of see myself in this. Can you see yourself in that? Sort of. Around. You can kind of see your image a little bit in that. But I see it kind of dimly. I see it kind of darkly. I don't see it quite as clearly as if I was looking at the person's real face. Maybe if we were making the point today, we could think about the image of a photograph, of a picture. When we think about a picture, we think about sometimes the picture is not quite as clear as it could be, right? Sometimes it's not quite as in focus. Last summer, Hannah was getting ready to buy a car. And as we were looking, we were actually able to find, we were going on, on our, uh, our, our family trip to go see some family down in Georgia, and so as we, we we sure enough we found out there was a car that was available in Georgia, but but Hannah couldn't go. She couldn't she couldn't go on the trip with us, and so she kind of had to trust Dad that this car was going to be all right. But but I sent back some pictures. Now if I'd sent her a picture like that, she'd I had to trust me a little bit, right? I mean, you can pick out. Can you see? You can pick out. There's a car right there. I mean, you can see there's some wheels and it looks kind of shiny and it's got at least one headlight. And there's some there's some there's some windows, you know. So, I mean, if I sent her that, she would be all right, dad, but I'm going to have to what? I'm going to have to trust you because that picture is very blurry. Now, I'm sure she would have, but she's grateful that I sent her something a little bit more clear. Instead of that blurry picture, I sent her that picture. And now you look at that picture, you go, wow, that's a pretty car. I mean, that's kind of a shiny car. And by the way, you got a little extra Chick-fil-A's in there, right? <laughs> I know some of you people don't pay attention. You're looking at other things. All right. But you know what? When you get the clear picture, you see, man, that's a pretty car. That's really nice. Chick-fil-A's in there. All, all sorts of other stuff. And so what, the way the Bible describes that is right now we are walking by faith. We're looking at the blurry, a little bit out of focus picture. We can tell we got some things. God's told us, you you got a car. It's coming. Trust me. It's awesome. I can tell there's a little bit of red in there. I kind of like red. All right. I can tell it's a little bit shiny, but I'm going to have to trust him that I don't see it exactly like it's going to be. But man, when I see the real thing, man, it is awesome. And by the way, after Hannah got her car, she, you can tell she was pretty excited about that because she went straight to Martha's. And she's. Isn't that a picture of heaven? You know, what that picture says, hey, dad, I like it. Amen. And that is exactly what we're going to say to the Lord. Amen. God, it was just what I was thinking. Actually, Lord, it was a whole lot better. What's the point of all that? Right now, we see some things. Listen, we do see some things. And to be honest with you, they're more clear than that fuzzy photo. We see some things pretty clearly through the word of God. Right. As we study the word of God, we have confidence. Thank God he wrote a book. Amen. If God had not wrote a book, we'd complain. Why didn't he tell us something? Right. God wrote a book. He gave us all these details and we can study those things And as the Spirit of God works in our hearts and teaches us as we study together, as we grow together, we see more of these things come into focus. But really for now, we kind of have to distrust God because it's not going to be till we get to heaven that we fully understand all that God had in store for us. Write that down. We will never fully understand God's plan and purpose Until we get to heaven. And that's emphasized in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12 that we just read. With an idea that's, that's kind of an emphasis in the Old Testament. In heaven, we will be face to face with God. Sure, like we mentioned last time, right now, God is with us. Amen? God is with us. As they were singing, the, as they were leading us in worship through those songs just a moment ago, I could sense the presence of God. I could sense God working in my heart. I could hear you guys pouring out your hearts to him. God is with us. Amen. He is in us. Many of us have put our trust in him. He lives in us. He's at work in this world for sure. But he promises when his people come together and gather together that there is a special sense that he is with us right now. Wow. Amen. But as wonderful as that is, we know, don't we, there's a sense in which there's more. Amen. And the Bible says one day we will be with the Lord like we never have before. And when we are, we will understand some things. Paul says right now I know some things. And I want to put a, a word up on the screen, not to be all technical, but, but in the Greek language, the word that Paul used when he said, right now, I know some things. Now I took that from Greek and I just put it into English for you. The word is gnosko. OK, so the word in Greek is that word right there. If you take it out of Greek and slap it into English, that's just about as close as I can get. Paul said, I know some things. But listen, he says, but then I will fully know just as I have been Fully known by God. And the word that he uses is epignosko. What it means is upon knowledge. Now think about this. God says, right now I know, but later we're going to pile the knowledge on. It's going to be full knowledge. It's going to be amazing. Uh, knowledge on top of knowledge. I'm going to understand like I never have before. Now that does bring up a little bit of a question. When we say that we will understand fully in heaven, what exactly does that mean? Amen? To be honest with you, I'm not totally sure. The wording that is used here is pretty strong. It it seems to come across more than just we'll know a lot. It seems to come across stronger than it doesn't. Okay, so it seems stronger than that. But the Bible tells us that only God is omniscient. Now that's a theological term that merely just means only God is what? All knowing. Okay? So we don't, we will never be all knowing. But the Bible seems to give an indication that we will have an understanding like we never have before. And so my sense, and the sense of others that, other Bible teachers that, that I've studied, seems to be that there will still be room for us to learn and grow in heaven. And that makes sense with some of the other things that we've learned. So it's not that we will necessarily be um, all-knowing like God. We know we can't be that. But it does seem that while stopping short of knowing all or knowing everything, there will be a very will sense in which we will have a very fulfilling, very much more clear understanding than we do right now. We will understand God's plan. We will understand God's purpose and God's ways better and more clearly than ever before in our lives. Isn't that good news? I know that we would rather know now. Amen? But isn't it encouraging to know that you will get your answers Amen. one day? Amen? Whatever it is that does not make sense, that does not fit... Whatever, whatever you might say, God, I don't understand. I don't like that. This doesn't make sense. Why does it have to be this way? When we get to heaven, we will be in the presence of Almighty God and it will all make sense and we will understand like we never have before. Hey, I'm loading up a bus. Anybody want to go? I'm going to heaven. And I want as many as I can to go with me. It's going to be a wonderful place. If you've given your life to Christ, you're going there. You're going to understand one day. But the Bible says something else. We will understand, but the Bible says also that we will, take a deep breath, rest. In heaven, we're going to finally rest. In this world, we can never really ultimately rest. When you're a child growing up, you don't want to. You want to go, go, go. Toddlers and teenagers, they want to go, go, go. They can never rest. When you're in your 20s and 30s, you're in college, you're starting a career, you're raising a family. I can't get any what? Young moms, this is your time to just shout it out. I can't get a drop of rest. Amen. Amen. When you're in your 40s and your 50s, you're in a career, you're helping your adult kids, your grandbabies are coming along. There's no rest. When you're in your 60s, you're helping your older parents. There's no rest. We're so busy. When you're 70s and beyond, you go to the doctor all the time. I can't get any rest because I keep going to the doctor. And that's just your life. This world we say, has a lot of what? unrest in it, doesn't it? Rest is something that we can never seem to get, but in heaven, we are going to finally rest. And one of the best passages for that is Hebrews chapter 4. I actually want to start out by reading to you from Matthew 11 verse 28, and then I'm going to flip over to uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus said in Matthew 11 verse 28, Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, you say it, and I will give you rest. It's coming again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's a sense in which in Christ... I'm getting you ready for an amen. There's a sense in which in Christ we have already found our rest. So for those of us who've given our lives to Christ, we've already begun. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, it says, For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, praise the Lord, just as they also... It's talking about some other people, if you go back and read the context. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed... Enter into that rest. If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you have already begun to experience rest for your soul. Amen? Amen. You have already begun to experience. And if I say Psalm 46 verse 10, God says cease from your striving and know that I am God. Now, we're all needing to be reminded of that on a daily basis. But there is a sense in which I, as a believer, am currently and have already, but am growing in understanding that I have ceased from my striving. And He is God right now. Amen. Amen. Not when I go to heaven, but right now. That comes when you're saved, when you're born again, when you accept Christ as your Savior and you have a personal relationship with God. You have rest. I'm not striving so hard. I'm not trying so hard. I'm not working so hard. There's not so much tension and battle within my soul. I know that I'm secure in Him. Praise the Lord. And hopefully, as we continue to grow more and more in our relationship with Him, that sense of peace grows, doesn't it? That sense of security. That sense of striving less. Have you ever known a mature, older believer who just has a sense of strength and peace and security. No, I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about they're not running around like a chicken with their head cut off. That person, uh, that's probably a new term for some of y'all. I did come from Georgia, so I think I just transplanted that one. But you know what I'm saying? That person's not going crazy. There's a settledness, not in an unhealthy way but in a strong kind of way. If you've given your life to Christ, you've already experienced a taste of the rest for your soul. But the Bible says, if you are a believer, even a strong believer, there's still a rest that we're looking for one day. And that's where Hebrews 4 verse 9 comes in. He says, So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Throughout Hebrews 4, there's a word that's used over and over again to, to this translated rest. And that word means just what we just said. To cease from your striving, to stop working so hard, to no longer be so stirred up by the troubles of this world. But here in verse 9, there's a, a, another word that's brought in for rest. Now listen, that word, I believe, ties it all together with an emphasis. If you watch in God's Word... Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Bible, there's an emphasis on the Sabbath. God all along has wanted us to find rest. Listen, every week he built it into the plan. Are you experiencing that Sabbath rest? We don't have time to talk about that as much today. But by doing that every week... By 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 beginning to practice rest, there's lots of things going on. First of all, trust is happening, right? I don't have to labor to keep the world spinning. Hey, God can provide for me. God can keep the world going, even if I'm not going so hard. And we're blessed by that, by the practice that so much goes into that. We're blessed because we're focusing more on God in that. And then as we look to a new week, and we might say, dread it. After that rest, we're reminded. That was a nice taste of rest, but I have not really experienced my rest yet. I've got an eternal rest in heaven that is coming. Don't we say that person has gone on to their what? Resting place, right? And that is absolutely true. And can you imagine it? Can you, there are rare moments in our lives where we feel absolute joy, absolute fulfillment. When you see your bride walking down the aisle. When you hold your child for the first time. When you're, when you're on the beach or sitting by a fire reading your favorite book. Man, they're just moments, Right? Well, man, for the first time in like five years, I'm sitting still. I'm actually a little nervous because I probably should be doing something. I feel guilty because something ain't happening, right? But every once in a while, we get those little tastes of rest. But other than that, most of our existence is stress and work and challenge and labor. In fact, those moms have said, yeah, buddy. That hold your baby for the first time in your arms. Don't forget, that was preceded by a lot of work. Amen? A lot of labor. So I just want to make sure I understand that. But I don't understand it. Can you imagine what it will be like not to labor and struggle and fight and be up for battle every day? Wow, Amen? That is one of the things that we are going to do in heaven. We're going to understand things a lot better, and we're just going to chill out. We're going to rest. Now, it's great to know that we're going to rest, but I may have hammered that home so much, some of you are back leaning towards heaven being a little bit more boring. I mean, if you think about it, all of us would like a little R&R, a little rest and relaxation. I mean, I, I can handle at least a couple 10 million years before I got bored, amen? I like to tell our kids, my favorite thing in the world to do is nothing. That is, that, I absolutely love nothing. I can do nothing all the time. It never gets old. But, but when we think about it, after a while, honestly, I'd want something to do, probably. Amen? you know what? That sense is right. God does want to give us rest from our labors, rest from our work, from our toil, from hardships, for our soul. But that does not mean that we're going to sit around on clouds for all eternity, plucking harps and eating grapes. That's not heaven to me. Amen? There's one more thing we want to talk about The answer. What are we going to do in heaven? Write this down. We will contribute. We will make a contribution. Sometimes because of what we just talked about, we talked about we're going to know, we're going to understand. We talked about we're going to rest. People have taken that to mean, okay, if we know, we fully know, that means there's nothing else to find out. So if we fully know when we're there and face to face with God, we're just like, well, I kind of got everything like in the first five seconds. What are we going to do for the rest of eternity? Amen. That, that kind of gives us the impression it's going to be boring. There's nothing to do. If we say we're going to rest, we're going to be resting all the time. Again, I can do that for a while, but after a while, I mean, I I want to get up and do something. But that is not at all the case when we get to heaven. We will understand much better. We will experience a profound and deep rest for our souls. But the Bible does not portray God as dull as boring, as static, as just sitting around doing nothing. In fact, the opposite is true. Write this down. God is active. He is creative. He is always working. The God that we serve is is active, creative, always working. John chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus talked about that. And God is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's always going to be like that. The Bible doesn't portray Him as Static and boring, and the Bible does not portray us and our existence in that way as well. Last week we read Matthew chapter 5, or 25, verse 21. Let me read that again. It says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, you might recall that last week we focused on that joy part. We focus on the part that, listen, it can be translated, enter into your Lord's joy. Isn't that beautiful? After you've lived out the purpose that God has for you, you've given your life to Christ and you've lived out the purpose that he has for you, for him to say, come experience my joy. Wow, we talked about that last time. But before that, listen to this. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things on this earth. I will put you in charge of many things in heaven. Jesus said, You did a great job with what I gave you. And now as you enter into eternity, I want to give you more responsibility, not less. And watch this. That is tied together with that person's experience of what? Joy. Part of the joy of heaven is that God gives me the ability to share in what He is doing to make a contribution. Did you know that we will all have jobs in heaven? And that just ruined it for somebody. I don't know if I want to load up the bus anymore. I want to think about that. But let's think about it some more. First of all, the Bible indicates that jobs came before the fall. Write down Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen. Listen, that's why I like to call it. Listen, isn't that interesting? Our words interesting. I like to call it employment. Okay, we call it work. We call it job. I like to call it employment. The Bible says that God gave us employment before the curse came. The hard part, the work part, the toil part, the dreaded part, the resented part, that came because of sin. But God gave them assignments before the sin came employment is not a result of the fall. Write this down. We are made to be employed and engaged and contribute in some way. God created us to be involved. Now, I know we joke about not wanting to work and maybe taking a six-month vacation, but there is a point at which we would lose our purpose and we would lose hope. We could all use a break, for sure, especially if we have not been practicing that Sabbath, you're really burned out. But at some point, all of us need to know, I can make a contribution. God made you that way. Even people in retirement. Retirement is a great opportunity, certainly, to change gears or maybe even to gear back or to gear down. But we need to make sure that we're always employed in some kind of work for the Lord. Somebody called retirement refirement. I like that. That's the positive viewpoint of a Christian. I'm not pressing pause and, and off to the side. No, I'm gearing up for whatever else. God has for me now. Somebody might say, well, no. Well, what, what about somebody that can't even get out of bed? Well, maybe God wants you to be a great prayer warrior for his work. Third thing, in heaven, God is going to give all of us some sort of responsibility. It's often described in Scripture as... The fact that we will rule and reign. We will basically help him run his kingdom. Let me give you some verses. Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus said to them, this was to the 12 disciples, truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. It says, You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. By the way, as much as we think about, you know, last week we talked about rewards. And this week we're talking about reigning with God. Listen to me, many people assume that people like Billy Graham are going to have the best rewards or the best jobs in heaven. Now, I'll be honest with you, I mean, if I was taking a guess, I'd say Billy Graham probably has a lot of reward. Because there are potentially millions of people. And if our reward is what I sense, the people that you brought there, man, he probably has experienced a lot of reward. Amen? Amen. And there's even more to come because there's people here who've accepted Christ as a result of him that still haven't gotten there yet. Wow, amazing. But listen, even though that might be true, maybe, no disrespect to Billy Graham, I'm just saying we need to be careful not to jump to that conclusion automatically. The Bible says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Now, I don't know this to be the case. I don't know his whole story. I can't, I've read his biography, but I can't remember his whole story. But what if Billy Graham's grandma prayed for him for all those years? You know, as you look at God and His Word and His work, You lean more towards that grandma getting more reward than anybody that we visibly might think. I was talking with someone last week after one of the services. And they were sharing about some ministry that that they had in their heart that, that maybe we could do here at New Hope. The sweetness with which they shared it, the humility, the tears in their eyes, the love for God that this person showed... That kind of love and sincerity and heart for God is what I believe God is going to reward the most. And you would probably never know this person because they're not a very visible, vocal person. But in those moments when they were sharing their heart with me, God saw that. Wow, amen? Amen, that should encourage you. If you feel like, does anybody know, does anybody care? God knows. God sees. God's going to bless us with those responsibilities. I don't know exactly the kind of responsibilities He's going to give us in heaven, but it seems to be clearly that we're going to be helping Him manage His kingdom. And by the way, it's pretty big, right? What we've studied of the current universe, which is a marred, tainted version of what God is going to create, is pretty big. Amen? So there'll be a lot of things to do, And by the way, it will likely involve many of the things that we currently do. Just a better experience for us, and not, again, it won't be labor. So if you think about your heavenly employment, listen, if you think about your heavenly employment like that, wouldn't it make your current employment more meaningful? Now listen, I am really a child of the King. I really am more of a citizen of heaven than a citizen of this world. But I do some things in this world. So if I'm doing some things in this world, but I'm really looking to be there with Him doing His work in His way, don't you think I'd start practicing for that? By living by the same principle, even if I'm not directly there with Him in His presence right now. So friend, that job that you do, listen, somebody's got to do legal work. Somebody's got to keep the highways clear. Somebody's got to make the food. Somebody's got to do child care. Everybody has a place in what God is currently doing in this world right now. So you see your job as an assignment from the king of this part and this phase of his kingdom right now. Amen. Ministry as well. God is at work in this world. And and, and where do I fit? God, show me, right? Because we're saying, I can't wait to go to heaven. I can't wait to find out what I'm going to be doing there. I want to be a part of God's work. I want to be in His kingdom. You are right now if you're a child of God. I understand it's different. I understand it's more challenging. I understand there's hardship. But but He's worthy to be trusted. Let's trust Him and ask Him, God, for all of eternity, I am Your servant. I want to be a part of Your wonderful kingdom. I'm looking forward to that when I, when I go on into eternity one day, but I'm not waiting until then. Amen? Before we move on, let me address a few other things that relate to this aspect of heaven. Laziness. If God made us to contribute, laziness should not be in a Christian's vocabulary and it should be never spoken of about us as a believer. Another maybe direction to approach that is our work ethic. We should be the best workers at our job. Our, our fellow employees and our bosses should say, man, I wish I had 25 of you. And by the way, you work like that, no matter who's watching, first of all, God will bless you. God will give you favor. Look, you, you show up on time. You do what your boss tells you to do and you don't complain about it, you are probably going to be in the top 5% in any job. I'm just looking for people that don't complain. that will just show up and it will just do what I ask them to do. You'll be an all-star. And if you do the job that everybody else is slacking at long enough, even us hard-headed people grow, you do it long enough, you'll actually become an expert. So you will actually be good. God will bless. I'm telling you, I've seen that in my life. But we do it because we, we, I don't do that for my boss. I don't do that for my paycheck. I do that because I'm a child of the king. Amen. And the eyes of the Lord are in every place watching over the evil and the good. Whether my boss is showing up or not, God is watching me and he's really my boss. So I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do my best. Now having said that, let's speak to the workaholics. <laughs> we can't overdo it. So don't forget that Sabbath part. Right? Sometimes we need to press pause. We need to rest. We need to worship and trust that God is at work even though we're just sitting here. That God is taking care of us. We need to serve our families. And we need to serve His family and His work. So God has built that in. So be careful if you're one of those people. I'm going to ask Pastor Matt to come up and I want us to think about the things that the Lord has spoken to us about together today. The Bible says in heaven, you're going to get your answers. Is that encouraging? But listen, you may have to trust Him right now. Is that okay? You may have to trust Him. Would you, how precious it is to the Lord if His children just say, God, I don't understand. First of all, you you don't ever have to explain anything to me. So I'm grateful that I at least will one day. Thank you for that promise. That's encouraging. Oh, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Would you do that today? We've got some big questions, don't we? We've got some big struggles that many of us are dealing with. That we need answers. Some of us right now need to learn how to rest. Listen, you're going to get there one day. Can you imagine? Who? Are you serious? I'm done. Are you serious? We're here. Amen? The work is done. God, it was worth it. He gives us taste of that in life. One day we'll be there. We'll be resting with Him. Will you trust Him? I'm glad when I get there, I'm going to have a role to play. I'm sure I don't, have any, I don't have any desire just to be hanging out for all of eternity. Thank God, Listen. Is God beginning to reveal to you, paint a picture? This is what He's doing for me. All the wonderful things we do now, we're going to do there, just without all the mess. Amen? We're going to explore and contribute and relate and enjoy and worship and all these amazing things. Praise the Lord. Friend, the main question that has to come out of this is, are you going there? And then we're talking about this amazing timeshare, like I said last week. It's amazing opportunity, and it's real. God is offering it to you. Let's don't just hear the story and get some goosebumps and then just move on. We're just so bold as to believe that every time we get together, God is working in people's hearts and eternity can be changed right here in these moments isn't that incredible would you make the decision maybe you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old maybe you're you're just getting your life started as a teenager right here, right now in this moment I believe I give my life to you Jesus I surrender please forgive me thank you for dying on that cross for me Thank you that you were victorious. I could have never in all of eternity paid for my debt. God, how can I ever repay you? I can't, but I'm going to give my life to you. I love you, Lord. Would you do that today? There's going to be some people down at the end of the service we call our decision team. Man, they would love the privilege. Last weekend, two people gave their life to Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. Why couldn't today be your day? Is God calling you to engage in his kingdom work? You heard about several. Listen, the young people. Did you know we could have actually gone to Texas back in the fall? But however that was working out, the young people wouldn't be able to go. So we said, we're not going. If the young people can't go, we're not going. I don't want to go to Texas without the teenagers. God's going to be working in their lives and God's going to be changing our lives watching them. Three teenagers put their hand up earlier in the service and said, I will serve God. Listen, adult, don't be shamed by that. Be encouraged and challenged by it. God, thank you for these young people. A third of our team are young people. God, thank you for these young people that are stepping up and being used by you. What am I doing to contribute to the work of my Lord's kingdom? Would you ask the Lord that? Let's bow before him for just a moment. Father, I thank you for this this truth, the reality that heaven is real, that we can go there. I want to pray for so many people who have so much church baggage that was taught by man but was not really your word. And they're trying to sort through that. And they're trying to believe the truth of your word. But it's hard. I pray that you would help them just to trust you, Lord. Just like that picture of that car, that they may not understand everything they know what you're offering to them and they would be willing to receive it may we be a church where babies can be born spiritually May we be a safe place where people who are learning and growing and trying to understand can do that what i pray in just a few moments as this service is wrapping up that the decisions will not be finished that you'll continue stirring in this room have your heart we can't help but be concerned about those who aren't going yet help us Lord we're scared we're afraid of rejection whatever the reason might be Lord I don't know what to say I don't know how to say it help us Lord teach us grow us especially in these days where we draw near to the celebration of your death and resurrection love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.